Today's message is entitled, Thanksgiving. And our main scripture text is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we love you. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. We're a blessed people. We're so grateful for the gift of your presence. We're so grateful for your grace, your amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. Was lost, but now I'm found. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you for my precious church family. And Father, I pray through these next few moments together as we continue to worship you, looking to you through your word, hearing from you through the preaching of your word, that you would be glorified, you would be lifted up. I pray, almighty God, that every hearer here this morning would be built up, strengthened, edified in their faith. Lord, that some would even be drawn to saving faith that's only found in Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask these things in the holy, precious, redeeming name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, with the emphasis on giving. The Hebrew word for thanksgiving means an extension of the hand. An extension of the hand, thank offering, and sacrifice. The Hebrew word clearly shows us that thankfulness always includes giving. One cannot be truly thankful and not give. A thankful heart is a giving heart. Amen, church? For Christians, the very first expression of thanksgiving is the giving of our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This giving of ourselves involves a consecrated and holy life, a life that is set apart to God for his sacred use, for his glory, for his honor, for his praise. This giving of ourselves is in response to God's sacrificial offering of his son on our behalf, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he, he writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, writing to the believers, by the mercies of God, so grateful for the mercies of God, the Bible tells us they're new Every morning, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, you give your bodies a living sacrifice. This is an expression of worship. This is an act of worship that you present, that you give your bodies a a living sacrifice, holy, set apart for God's sacred use, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. After all, I've given you the gift of myself. I've given you my son to save you, to redeem you. Which is your reasonable service. Some translations say it this way. Your reasonable act of service. Let's consider the nature of thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul, he he writes to the church in Corinth in his second letter in chapter 4, verse 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, 
there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Look at, look at how many people here this morning. Look around. Look how much God's grace. Look at the people God's grace has reached. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. You might be visiting here this morning and you might be wondering, wow, you, you sing a real long time. You sing a lot of songs because we are people who have been touched. We have, we have been reached by the grace of almighty God. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. The Greek word for thanks is built on the Greek word for grace. And this is important. The reason this is important is because thanks has a very close relationship to grace. Unless we see this relationship, we, we don't know what thanksgiving really is. We can't appreciate the depth of its meaning. You see, thanksgiving flourishes in the presence of grace. We are in the presence of grace because we are in the presence of of God and thanksgiving flourishes in the presence of grace so we can't help but express our thanksgiving through singing through prayer through reading the scriptures through the preaching of God's word thanksgiving is a response to grace when we really begin to understand grace it's easy to offer thanksgiving amen What does grace mean? What is it? Paul begins most of his letters saying grace and peace to you. And he ends his letters with the words, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The two bookends of Paul's letters to the churches. Grace, grace. How amazing his grace is. We stand in God's grace. You're sitting in God's grace. We live by God's grace, are saved by God's grace, approach God in times of need, asking for his grace. We reach out and share with others because of God's amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, amen? I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And so what is it? Grace is God's goodness, God's kindness, God's love, his care, his work on our behalf. But it is more than that. It is these things when they are undeserved. It is goodness that we don't deserve. It is kindness that we don't deserve. It is love that we don't deserve. It is care that we don't deserve. It is forgiveness that we don't deserve. It, it is salvation that we don't deserve. It is blessing that we don't deserve. I had a blessing the other day. I don't like going shopping on Black Friday. I don't even like the name of it, Black Friday. But I was here most of the day, and, and I went home, and, and I was sitting there in, in, in the house, and I said, I want to go somewhere. And I decided I want to go to Field and Stream. And I asked my son, Matthew, who was taking a nap, if he wanted to go. And he said, Dad, can you give me 10 minutes? I said, sure. And so about 15, 20 minutes later, we head out to Henrietta, and we walk into Field and Strain. 
And one of the workers um, greeted us and, and asked if we were going to be here till 5 o'clock. And I said, well, what time is it? 4.40. I said, 20 minutes, sure. Why? Well, because we're giving every customer a raffle ticket. And at 5 o'clock, we're going to give out a $500 gift card. And so we got, our, we, got our, we got our number, and we're looking around, and we're, we're not shopping. We're just window dressing. We're just looking around. We weren't in buying anything. And so on the intercom, it's 5 o'clock. They're calling everybody to the front of the store. And so I gave Matthew the ticket. I said, go up there. I'll meet you up there. And, and they're giving the numbers. I'm walking down the, the, the main aisle, and all of a sudden, I hear... That's my ticket. That's my ticket. And I was like, is that Matthew? <laughs> and I'm looking through all these people. And then I, I saw his slippers. He had his slippers on. I said, that's Matthew. I can't believe it. We won a $500 gift certificate to, to Field and Strain. Now, if Matthew didn't say, Dad, can you wait 10 minutes, which turned into 20 minutes, who knows what would have happened? I said, son, God just blessed us. We don't deserve this blessing. It's just the grace of God. God is a blessing God. He's a giving God. Amen? Because he's a gracious God. He says, dad, what do you want to buy? I said, nothing right now. Let's just go home. I don't want to be anxious. I got to pray about this. True story. God's good, isn't he, church? Grace is all these things when they are pure gift. Further, the giving of love, the giving of kindness and forgiveness when we don't deserve them has the power to change our lives. That's the beauty of God's grace. These truths tell us something about God's holy character that has been made known to us, revealed to us in Jesus Christ. He's a gracious father, a merciful father, a loving father, a good, good father. He's a giving father. God's gracious church. He's gracious. Thursday, when we joined together as a family, I could not help but be overwhelmed by the abundance. In fact, I wrote a devotional the next day, the more than enough. When I open up our refrigerator, there's more than enough. When I go into my closet, there's more than enough. When I look at my shoes, there's more than enough. We have a home. We have indoor plumbing. My father and mother in Massachusetts, and he tells these stories almost every Thanksgiving and Christmas, how he had to go to the outhouse. And how him and his um, six siblings, there are seven of them, took baths in the same bath water in this little metal tub and 
the last person hated it because the water was really filthy and dirty and they came out more dirty than they did clean. We have indoor plumbing. But not everybody in the world has indoor plumbing. We're so blessed, church. I have a car. In fact, we have two. We're so blessed. We have more than enough, don't we, church? God has entrusted us with more than enough so we can be a blessing. So we can be a blessing to God by being a blessing to others. Amen, church? Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The nature of thanksgiving is grace. Understanding it is not something we deserve, but is instead the gift of God given to us, sinful humanity wrapped in his one and only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, thanksgiving flourishes in the presence of grace. Again, the Apostle Paul, he, he writes in 2 Corinthians four fifteen. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will see more and more glory. You see the progression. First, God's grace reaches more and more people. Second, great thanksgiving is the response to his grace. And third, God receives more and more glory. Isn't that beautiful, church? Whatever begins with God's grace leads to God's glory. The new life that I have in Jesus Christ begins with God's glory. And it's God's will and desire for this new life to to lead to his glory. It begins with God's grace. It begins with God's grace. This new life that I have in Christ begins with, with God's grace and it's God's desire. It's God's will and purpose for this new life to lead to God's glory. Peter, he writes in his first letter in chapter 10 verses, in chapter 5, excuse me, verses 10 and 11. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you in his grace, church. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I love what Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your good works, your grace works. Your grace works. Your grace works. And glorify your Father in heaven. In heaven, a thankful heart is a given heart. In today's main scripture text, we have a wonderful example of this in the generous giving of the Macedonian believers. God's grace reached these Macedonian believers. Their response was great thanksgiving. And God received glory through their sacrificial giving toward the relief fund that was established to help their Christian Jewish brothers and sisters who were suffering because of a severe famine. And some theologians call their giving grace-given. 
Listen to what Paul tells the Corinthians in this passage about the Macedonian Christians and how God's grace was at work among them in terms of giving. Verses 1 through 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. The New King James says it like this, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. And so what do we learn about their giving? They gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the first thing that we learn. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Let's back up for just a minute and look at the circumstances in which these Macedonian believers gave themselves first to the Lord. Acts chapter 11 tells us that a famine hit the Roman world during the reign of the emperor Claudius. One area that was hit especially hard was the region of Judea. In Galatians chapter 2, we read that when Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem and talked with church leadership about their ministry among the Gentiles, a Gentile is a non-Jew, Peter and the other leaders in Jerusalem affirmed their ministry, but also asked them to remember the poor, that is, to let the Gentiles with whom they were working with know about the needs in Judea. And so in Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says this was the very thing he was eager to do. This offering from the non-Jewish churches for the poor in Jerusalem was a project that took several years to complete. We have to keep in mind there was no wire transfers or, or direct debit options back then. We, we use those means today. We use it a lot in, in, in providing resources to, to the Hakes and to the Sobeys there in, in Nicaragua and King's Castle. But they didn't have that option back then. So Paul sent word to the churches in places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Macedonia and Corinth to share the need and to encourage the believers to receive a special relief offering. He had to make the need known give the churches time to raise funds, and then return to collect the funds and deliver them at some later date. And so we see something um, else about the circumstances in, in which the Macedonian Christians gave. If we look at verses 2 and 3 of our text, we see that difficult times were not confined to Judea. Paul writes, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. What we see here is that the condition of these Christians was anything but ideal when it came to the issue of giving. We read here in verse 2 
that they were characterized by extreme, extreme poverty. And the Greek word translated extreme here means deep or down to the depths, poverty. We might say it was rock bottom poverty. That was the condition of the Macedonian churches. And so the Macedonians who are used by Paul here as examples for giving for both the Corinthians and us here this morning, these Macedonians were being pressed down by two very difficult realities, persecution and poverty. Yes, as we see in our text, it didn't stop them from giving. What was the the key to their giving? Again, Paul says, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. The Greek word used for Lord here in this particular passage means mastery. Mastery. Like the Macedonians, church, it is important for us to understand the relationship between our giving and our understanding of God's lordship, his mastery over our lives. Does he have mastery over your life? Giving yourself to the Lord means trusting him as the Lord of your future. If you're taking notes, write the word future on your outline. Giving yourself to the Lord means trusting him as the Lord of your future. Think again about the situation the Macedonians found themselves in. They were suffering under the weight of persecution and poverty, and yet Paul tells us here that they wanted to give what little they had to help their Jewish brothers and sisters who were in need in Judea. Now, if you were in their shoes or or sandals, wouldn't you be worried about your future, about what was going to happen to you? All of us are tempted to be anxious about what's ahead of us, about how things are going to work out. We worry about our health. We worry about our children. We worry about our income and and our job security. We worry about health care costs. We worry about our reputation. We worry about finding love. We worry about belonging. We worry, we worry, we worry. Do we worry? Here's what Jesus says about worry and and. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, church, if we're going to truly give in any situation, we must first give ourselves to the Lord. That is, we must first trust that he is the Lord of my future, that whatever will be will be under the loving watchfulness and perfect power of the king of the universe. If God is leading us to give, then we should trust him, plain and simple. Amen? Giving yourself to the Lord means trusting him as the Lord of your future. Number two, the Lord of your priorities. It would be easy for these Macedonian disciples to order their priorities simply by their circumstances in which they find themselves. 
Priority number one, me. Priority number two, myself. Priority number three, I. Me, myself, and I. Take care of me. Provide for myself. I want to be comfortable. But this is not what drove the Macedonians. As we see in our text today, their priority was a group of Jews who lived over 900 miles away. And how is that possible? Yes, they had real need. They had extreme poverty. They had real need. It wasn't real want. It was real need. Well, we all have real wants, don't we? This wasn't a real want. This was a real need. But yet it didn't hinder them. It didn't stop them from giving. How is that possible? It's possible because they first gave themselves to the Lord. Jesus Christ was Lord of all, definer of their priorities. Left up to us, church, our priorities are defined by what brings us the most comfort and ease. Money and savings and pleasure, possessions, control. How many like control here? Wow, a lot of honest folks. What does Paul mean when he says in verse 5, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will? He's saying that when they gave themselves to the Lord, when they trusted him as the Lord of their possessions and priorities, they realized that our work among the poor in Jerusalem was part of God's priorities. Giving to others starts first with giving ourselves to God. And when we do, church, our priorities will realign with God's priorities. Not until then. Finally, we see here, number three, that giving yourself to the Lord means trusting him as the Lord of your attitude. Can I hear a big amen? It's hard to read through these verses in 2 Corinthians 8. And not walk away with a clear understanding of the attitude these believers had in their obedience. We can say with confidence that these Christians did not give to God begrudgingly. Listen to Paul's description of their giving. I put the words on the, on the screen. Overflowing joy. Rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. Isn't that beautiful? You see, that's what grace does. These are people whose heart attitudes have been made soft by the grace of God. They had an attitude of gratitude. We've heard that phrase, an attitude of gratitude. What a beautiful example we have in Scripture as we look at the Macedonian um, believers. The Apostle Paul, he he writes, again in, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty, you, he could make you rich. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Let me read it again. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus. How many know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? How many know? Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, you could, he could make you rich. Paul is simply explaining grace using economic language. Jesus emptied himself of his glory 
He laid aside his divine, his divine privileges as God, says Paul. Jesus became poor for the Corinthians' sake and for our sake today, church, by giving up his divine privileges as God and became fully man. It's one of those Christmas miracles. Fully God, fully man. We're going to talk more about this during our Christmas series. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says, But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. I mean, think about this. God, God, who was and is and always has been, beginning and end, the creator of the universe, the one who hung the stars, created the, the mass galaxies, the universe, you, me, from clay. He took clay and he, and he formed man and he, and he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being with the very breath of almighty God. He was born in a borrowed cradle. Jesus preached from a borrowed boat. He borrowed a coin to give an illustration. Rode in Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. Ate his last supper in a borrowed room. And was buried in a borrowed grave. He who created everything. Laid it all down and entered into total poverty that you and I might be rich. Receive something greater than a $500 gift card to field and stream. In other words, Jesus took on our spiritual poverty to make us spiritually rich. You see, church, grace begins when one person is full and another is empty. One is rich, the other poor. Grace comes into action as the emptiness of one is filled up by the fullness of the other. What we do not have is supplied by what someone else has. You see, our poverty is replaced by Jesus' wealth. Not because we deserve it, but because Jesus is gracious. When the grace of Jesus penetrates the human heart, we can't help but give first our life to God and then our lives to others. Church, it all comes back to what I've been preaching for the last 21 years as your pastor. Loving God and loving people. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Paul wrote... But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. God's will. Loving God. Loving people. In conclusion, let's briefly examine seven lessons we learn from the grace-giving example of the Macedonians. Number one, they gave sacrificially. The Macedonians were poor, yet they gave generously. Somehow, even in their circumstances, they found a way to give. They gave from the little they had. You know, I recall 
this amazing story. I actually still have the little note. I have a box downstairs with some amazing um, grace moments in my life. And this was Christmas. I was a single youth pastor, and I wanted to bless a certain family. And there was something on my heart to do, but I needed $500. And the truth is, I couldn't even find one. Just being honest. And I, I didn't make it a great matter of prayer. But I said to the Lord one day, just me and the Lord, Father, it would be so awesome if I could really bless this family. But I need $500. And so a couple days go by, and I'm leaving the church for the day, and as I'm leaving on the north side where the offices are, I notice an envelope sticking out of the mailbox system we have over here. And I thought, boy, that looks like that's in my mail slot. So I walk over there, and sure enough, there was an envelope sticking out of my mail slot. No other envelopes were sticking out. It was sticking out of my mail slot. I, I, I pull it, and I'm, I'm standing there, and I open it up, and inside was five 100 crispy dollar bills. True story. And the note says, I see your faithfulness. I hear your heart's desire. Do as you wish. Heavenly hugs. I start crying. One of our former staff members, Steve Cerrone, maybe some of you remember Steve, he's leaving and he sees me crying and and he comes over. He says, what's wrong? What's wrong? I says, read this. And I tell him the story. He goes, that's awesome. Isn't that incredible? Wow. Yeah, let's give God praise. I was able to bless that family. It was awesome. Somehow, even in their circumstance, they found a way to give. They gave from the little they had. You know, God, a little lunch sack and a few loaves of bread, a no big deal for God. He can feed the 5,000. We just have to be willing to give up the lunch sack. Amen? With joy. Grace. We learn that the amount of our giving isn't what blesses God. But the spirit behind the giving, the heart, the motive, the attitude. Number two, they gave supernaturally. We see this in verse three of our text. They gave beyond their ability because Their giving was empowered by God's grace. The grace of God, church, is connected to our giving. We learn that when we fail to see giving as a grace, it becomes a burden instead of a blessing. Number three, they gave joyfully. We see this in verse two of our text. The Bible says that they gave out of overflowing joy. 2 Corinthians 9 reminds us God loves a cheerful giver. We learn that giving is a privilege, not a burden. Four, they gave willingly. The believers of Macedonia were freely willing. They weren't forced into giving. The need was presented and they were compelled by grace to give. 
We learn grace compels us to reach out to meet the needs of others. For God so loved the world that he gave. There was a great need, a great spiritual need. We all have that need. But God met it through the giving of his self, through his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Next, number five, they gave eagerly. The Macedonians begged to support the saints. Paul writes, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. The Christian life is a sharing life. We learn that a a thankful heart is is a giving heart. It can't wait to give. It looks for grace, giving opportunities. It can't wait to share its life, to pour its life, to spend its life in blessing not only God but others. Six, they gave unexpectedly. Paul was reluctant to encourage the Macedonians to contribute since he knew of their desperate poverty. In all reality, Paul's expectations were greater in regards to the Corinthian church. They were a wealthy church, but failed to give. The Macedonian churches were struggling and and very poor. Extreme poverty was their situation. What they gave was unexpected by the Apostle Paul. It's what he was expecting from the church in Corinth. Now, it's important to keep in mind that Paul's letter is a letter of correction to the Corinthians. The Macedonians were poor and gave, while the Corinthians were rich and failed to give. What do we learn? We learn that grace giving always has an element of the unexpected. And then seven, they gave personally. The Macedonians first gave themselves to the Lord. They knew that God wanted them before he wanted their giving. And their giving to others was preceded by their giving of themselves. We learn that when we first give ourselves to the Lord, it is only then that we will give ourselves to others. Thanksgiving flourishes in the presence of grace. Thanksgiving is a response to God's amazing grace. Amen, church. A thankful heart is a giving heart, a sharing heart. I hope you have been edified through this message today. On your way out of church today, you will receive our, 26, our 2016 Joy of Giving booklet. We've called it the Joy of Giving Operation Grease Police booklet. This year, our main giving focus will be directed to the men and women who serve as police officers for the Grease Police Department. It's a very challenging and difficult time to be a police officer. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for the service they provide, not only to our community, but to the greater Rochester area and around our nation. One day while praying for our officers, I I sensed the Lord impressing on my heart to encourage and bless our police officers this Christmas season as a church family. I met a couple weeks ago with the chief of police for the town of Greece and and shared what Greece Assembly wanted to do to express our gratitude 
um, for their important service in our community. And needless to say, he was very, very, very moved. And kept saying, you want to do this? That is so generous. And he shared a lot of other stuff from his heart that I'm going to keep between him and I and the Lord. But I truly, truly believe this is what the Lord would have us do as one of our primary outreaches this Christmas season. As you leave church today, there will be ushers at all four exits distributing the Adopt a Police Officer prayer card. In fact, I have one here. Remember last year we, we, we did this? It was a 12-month commitment. Well, it's time to renew our commitment. There's a whole list of, 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 of new offices as well. And so as you leave church today, there will be ushers at all four exits distributing the Adopt-A-Police Officer prayer card if you would like to make a, a 12-month commitment praying for an officer and his family. We have a prayer card with the name of a Greece police officer on it. And by receiving a card, you are committing to praying for the officer and their family for the next 12 months starting the month of December. You are also encouraged to send the officer cards throughout the year, letting him or her know that you are praying for them. And you can thank them for their service, send them encouraging scriptures, let them know you are from Greece Assembly, that we really appreciate all that they're doing for our community. The second way you can share your life is by sponsoring a Christmas gift box. We'll be given each officer on December 19th. Each box will have a $10 Dunkin' Donut gift card. Not stereotyping police officers. <laughs> Delicious cookies from Orion's, trail mix chocolates, a police shield magnet that we are having made with Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God goes with you. Isn't that beautiful, church? And an invitation to a special appreciation dinner that will be held at Ridgemont Country Club that Greece Assembly will be sponsoring and we're getting other sponsors from the business community as well to join us in helping to cover the expense. The cost of the gift box is $20. And if you'd like to sponsor a box, you can. Direction is given in the Joy of Giving booklet. The third way you can share your life is by sponsoring a police officer and their spouse or their date for the five-course dinner we're going to be sharing. The cost is $65 per couple. It's all in the, the Joy of Giving Operation Grease Police booklet. Make sure you get one on your way out. Read through it. Pray through it. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Amen. And sharing your life this Christmas season. On the reverse side is something that our children are doing as well. And the shoe boxes, which is a wonderful way to share with those in need. Lots of information on the back. Um, and so I want to encourage you to be sure to, to read the back of the um, Joy of Giving booklet as well. It's, oh boy, I need glasses. That's not good. Operation Christmas Child, Samaritan's Purse. Good news. 
great joy. It's a tremendous outreach. We've been doing it for several years now. You know, Jesus said, and I close with Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, that they may see your good works, your grace works, and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's why we do what we do. It's because of grace. We're motivated. We're compelled. We're grateful because of God's amazing grace. Would you join me standing